Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Parenting with Impact, the podcast. And I am really excited to welcome my friend and guest, Dr. Nurissa Bauer. Nurissa, thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Me too. A couple of years ago, you have a beautiful book club that you run. And and I had the honor of having one of my books. I can't remember which one. Uh, your most recent your one. Club, the yeah, most your recent most, one, The yes. Guide to Raising Complex Kids. Mm-hmm. So um, I was super excited because when I wrote that book, I put a discussion guide for book clubs in the back of it. And, and I was so honored that it actually was used. So thank you for that. Yes. And thanks for being here. You have a really interesting story because you're a physician, a developmental ped turned like thought leader and media sensation. So um, tell us a little bit about what you do with families of complex kids and and how you came to be doing this work because your journey is fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, Well, I would say this has been my mission since I can remember. I mean, I, when I was little, I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, if you didn't know that. But then when I hit college, I decided to go to medical school. And of course, it just made sense. I'm going to go into pediatrics. That's where my heart is. That's where I love to be and work with the kids and the parents. And through my journey in medical school and residency, the rotations that I really enjoyed were the ones where I just got to have the time to sit and talk with families to really partner with them and learn who they were, what their dreams were, as well as their fears and worries, just the bread and butter of pediatrics, you know, just mm-hmm. following families from birth until, you know, whenever. Yeah, um, and of care. I loved connection, it. Relationship. Yeah. 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 I loved it. And You know, one of my first mentors, Dr. Marty Stein, he wrote the premier book called Encounters with Children. I tell you what, I notated that book from, you know, (laughs) cover to back cover. And I made a pocket guide. And he he was like, wow, this is amazing. This pocket guide. That's amazing. Like, but I just ate it all up because I felt like this is why I became a physician. You know, I just wanted to help families understand what's normal and how to help them in their journey in parenthood. Now, believe me, at that time, I didn't have any kids, you know, (laughs) but I just, I love that part of medicine, you know, the preventive, proactive. Mm -hmm. So he asked me to be his fellow. And so I did, I, you know, had another year because my husband or, you know, my now husband had another year of training because he was a uh, medicine and pediatrics um, resident. So I did another year and just immersed myself learning from him, like how Mm. to talk with families. 
And what a gift. And then (laughs) after that, I, you know, said, I need to go to Seattle and get my public health degree. That's another story. But while I was there, was asked to start a foster care clinic. And I realized very quickly that I didn't know how to support these families. You know, as a physician, I could prescribe medications, but, but honestly, that's not what these families needed. They needed support. They needed to know how to deal with these intense behaviors so that they didn't disrupt placement. And I quickly realized like, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, and what strikes me about what we're saying is there's the details and then there's the context. Yes. If you don't really understand the depth and nuances of the context, the details don't matter. It's yeah. like they're not going to help you guide you through. You can give a kid a, a parent a reward chart, but it's not going to get you anywhere if nobody understands what's motivating the behavior. That is so important. Context is everything. And I quickly yeah. realized, I'll just tell an abbreviated version. So I met my other mentor, Carolyn Webster Stratton, the the developer of The Incredible Years, Mm -hmm. and learned from her. I sat in on this great 22-week parenting course where it's kids in one room, parents in another. I sat in as the only participant ever going through her program without kids. Kids. (laughs) (laughs) But then in the meantime, in between those sessions, she would invite me to sit in with her and her leaders and review videotapes. And so I was not only learning the curriculum, but I was learning the how to do this group. And I loved it. Oh my gosh. It just was like amazing. And since then I've been on a mission to be like, you know what? Pediatricians should know how to do this, how to talk to families about play, praise, timeout. You know, I mean, people think (sighs) that we know this. Well, you know, people think teachers have an education they don't have, yes. that doctors have an education. Yes. They don't have. Like you don't have any nutrition education. You don't get communication skills education. It's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this huge need. Well, and in medicine, the model is see one, do one, teach one. And mm-hmm. unless you have kids your own, you're sort of, you know, like listening and learning as you watch other people before you, you know, what they say and what they do. So, you know, I mean, I think. After that experience with Dr. Webster Stratton, we wrote a paper together on prevention of behavior problems in primary care. And then when I took my first faculty position at Indiana University, I was hired to actually run a developmental behavioral rotation and start a behavior clinic. So I worked with her to adapt what was traditionally for parents, but Mm. then to use it to teach residents in a systematic way how to actually incorporate it into well-child visits. Well, so, and I just got to share with you, and this is going back a million years or at least a decade, but I did some work as a consultant for the American Academy of Pediatrics as a parent advisor. Mm -hmm. And part of what they wanted was to give pediatricians language, specifically it was about ADHD, to talk to parents about ADHD. And I remember being so frustrated in the process because there was this really thoughtful, important, nuanced information. And I needed, I was being called upon to get it down to like three bullet points, no more, mm. you know, and it's like, it's just not going to work that way. There, there needs to be an actual conversation here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think, you know, even some of the, the patient handouts that we do and, you know, yeah. you know, the primary care physicians, they're busy. They see yes. like upwards of 30 to 50 patients a day. And my colleagues, I just, I, you know, kudos to them. I just, you know, but but (laughs) when it comes to behavioral and mental health issues, you really 
got to get in there and peel back all those layers. Like we were saying, the, the context is everything and you just can't do it quickly in those right. 15 minutes. No, not effectively. Yeah. I mean, and right. so my, my role in Indiana University, where I was faculty for 13 years, was really how to set up pediat- future pediatricians to be able to begin that discussion. But I felt like I was always sort of chasing my tail a little bit because they'd go out like excited with this new knowledge, but then they'd be stuck in these 15, 20 minute visits where they, they're like, I wanted to do X, Y, Z, but I couldn't because I just didn't have time, right. you know? So that's always been an issue. So you're no longer at Indiana University training physicians. So there was no. an evolution. As you guys who know me can hear, like, you know that me, a woman on a mission, is always jazzed by another woman on a mission, right? So mm-hmm. your mission was really to impact these families and to, yes. and to change the environment so that these, these families, these parents could be successful with these, with these kids. So what did you shift to? Yes, thank you. So it was a great run when I was in academia, got to train a lot of future pediatricians and then started doing some research and grant writing, but that became very hard and I couldn't sustain it. I got burned out. So I left and it was then that I realized, okay, I need to reset and figure out what it is that I want to do with my life, you know? And it was really hard because as a a physician, you go to medical school, then you go to residency, then you go to your first job and you just, it's this linear path that's sort of plotted out for you. And then I quickly realized, you know, especially during the pandemic, families are struggling. Mm -hmm. Families were struggling with remote learning. Parents were having to be teachers for the first time. First time seeing these differences and issues with how they think and learn. And I was like, you know, I wonder, I can help families, you know, because this is kind of what I was doing before I left. And, and so I just started putting myself out there and saying, you know, I have this idea. I want to provide parenting support. So I'm going to start this book club, you know, because I used to do parent training workshops in person when I broke off from academia, I did a private practice and I'm still in private practice part-time, but because of the pandemic, we couldn't do it safely. So I, that's why I started my parenting book club because I was like, parents need this information, but it's it's so easy to read something, but the implementation is where parents. I was going to say, you know, up. Diane and I say all the time, information is great; it's not enough. Yes, we were just teaching this webinar today where we talked about education as the first tier, and then talked about what if, what's the the journey the parents go through, mm-hmm. right? And it starts with education, but then it's about integration. And it's about prioritization. And, you know, there are all these other components that we have to do as we experiment and practice and yes, and see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I think being in this space where I get to sort of design what I do day to day has really mm-hmm. allowed me to explore how to reach families faster yeah. and in more meaningful and ways. More deeply. Yeah. More deeply, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. So you've got this beautiful expertise as a physician and as someone who trains physicians, pediatricians in particular, and also direct support for parents. What do parents of complex kids, what do they need to understand better? Like, what are they missing or what do you want them to know? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of my families and and I kind of take care mostly of kids with ADHD, anxiety, and common parenting challenges. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've wanted to have parents understand is they are by their own right experts of their children, you know, 
right? They, they Nobody spend knows so this much, better, that's, right? that's right. And, and if you have that nagging feeling like something's amiss, do not discount that. It's okay to talk to your doctor about it. You might feel weird. Like, I don't know if this is a thing, but this is what I'm seeing. It is absolutely your right. And pediatricians love when parents like bring those questions up because that's what we're there for. We want to help support and help tease out and understand that context through our lens with our training, but we want to help you. And so- you need the report, like you need the information. I, I've been doing yes. part of what's been on the stage for me this year in my mind a lot is the parent's role as the reporter mm-hmm. to support the medical treatment. That if a yes. parent's not well-informed and integrated into the process, the parent can't let the physician know what they need to know. Yes, yes. You know, and I, I'm actually the spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics for the Take Note Initiative. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, Elaine, no. uh, but it was developed in concert with um, understood.org. Yep. And it stands for notice, observe, talk and engage. Simple mm-hmm. things, but it's Very meant simple. to help engage parents who are now witnessing, you know, these differences of how kids think and learn. And it's okay to have some sort of framework and be empowered to bring your concerns early to the people you need to, not just your physician, but the teachers and other people on the team. Because if you don't, nobody, like you, when you're siloed as a parent and you Mm -hmm. think you're the only one going through this, you don't have a context of community. You don't have the training and opportunity. So you think it's just me. It's, It's either I'm broken, my kid's broken. When the truth is, if you can say, you know, I'm seeing this really different anxious behavior or, you know, I can't go out. My kid's freaking out every time I leave the house or whatever it is. If you can report those details, the providers can hear it and and integrate it and figure out what to do with that information. You know, maybe it is ADHD, maybe it's autism. Like how do we, maybe it's anxiety. Like what, how do we take this information and do something? But if the parent doesn't recognize a love note, doesn't observe it, notice it and, and have the confidence to share it. Yes. Cause a lot of it is confidence. Yes. Yeah. And it's also the acknowledgement that, you know, we know that many of our doctors have very short timelines. So helping them take this massive data, like what they're seeing day to day and be able to concisely communicate that to their doctor. So that way they feel like they're heard is so important. So important. Okay. So parents need to trust themselves. Yes. Yeah. I can, I can get behind that. That's why we get along so well. Right. There's and part of that is instinct and part of that is is knowing and part of that is, you know, time spent. There's a lot of pieces that come into that. Mm-hmm. So what about when a parent doesn't trust, when they don't know, when they when they're seeing something that they really don't know what to do with that information? Yeah. I mean, I think the best bet is always to go back to your doctor, no matter what. I mean, because there's not a stupid question or whatever, because again, as a mom myself, you know, I've read these books, I do these classes, and yet there are times where I'm like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, you know, huh, let me think about this. But, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just the need to be heard. And I think that's true mm-hmm. of kids with their parents, right? Very much, yeah. We, we just need to have that connection. I mean, it just comes down to connection, communication, and collaboration. I mean, yeah. that really is what it is. And again, I, I think just demystifying the fact of, yes, 
there are folks who do this, but pediatricians, even though they treat ear infections, pneumonias, and you know all of these other illnesses, they're very much invested in relational health and helping support families. Yeah. Well, so this webinar I was referencing that Diane and I did today, we created this new framework of, of this pyramid of like, what are the steps towards independence? And it starts with relationship and trust, mm-hmm. right? Foundationally, we, we have relationship, we lean into trust, and then you just hit the next three, right? It's connection, it's collaboration, it's like, it's communication. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the piece that as parents, we get so caught up in the doing that we forget about how important it is to be in relationship with our kids. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, trying to, I mean, childhood goes so fast and sometimes it feels like, and so are we so. ever going to, yeah, I know. <laughs> are we ever going to get out of this stage, you know, at the same time, but it's like, if you can just kind of take a step back, take a deep breath and take it in. And I always tell what I love to tell parents and, you know, they kind of chuckle when I tell them this, but I'm like, if your child's a toddler and having a meltdown or your, your teenager's cursing you, I mean, at least they're trying to share some emotion with you. They just, <laughs> they, they are trying to tell you they need help. Right. I mean, tell you something. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying I to tell that. you something. And, and yeah, I, that's exactly how I say it, you know, so let's like, at least say, accept that. And then mm-hmm. how we react to that is really key. Right. Because they don't necessarily have the ability to tell us in the moment because they're just feeling. But luckily, they're still reaching out for help from us. Yeah. And if we can can kind of reframe those moments so that we can kind of take a second to process and know Mm -hmm. how to meet them where they are makes the world a difference. Yeah. So, you know, everything you're talking about is, is so much in alignment with the work we do as the coach approach and what we teach that notion of meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. We often say meet them where they are and raise the bar from there. Yes. Right? Because wherever they are is where they are and you can want them to be someplace else, but that doesn't change the fact that wherever they are is where they are. Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard for parents who a client, a couple I was working with this morning and he said to me, so we should stop saying you're 14. You should be able to be doing this by now. And I said, yeah, maybe, maybe we should change that language. So talk a little bit about the shift in mindset for parents to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it comes down to what you do, like education first. And it's not just education for the parents, but also the child. I believe that the minute we provide a diagnosis, right? And, you know, sometimes this is a whole different thing that we could talk about later about like labels and all of that. And I get that. But to help everybody understand what's happening, we do need to acknowledge what's happening. And I firmly believe that the child has to be onboarded with the parent at the same time. It's a learning process. Kids are listening. They're sponges, right? And they get everything. They get everything. And (laughs) but but I try to remember and put myself in their shoes. The minute I have to talk about the diagnosis of ADHD, anxiety, they're probably thinking, "Oh my gosh, what did I do? Is this something I'm going to get rid of? Is this, you know, did I catch this somewhere? Yeah. And 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 so I'm also looking at the child and how they're responding because I want to support them as well. And it's so mm. important to bring them on board together with their parents because it's and they need to work together. So in my experience, I, I couldn't disagree with couldn't mm-hmm. agree with you more. In my mm-hmm. experience, a lot of parents are really resistant. Yes. Of quote labels. So I know what my response would be. What's your response to, but I don't want to label my child. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't want to give them excuses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I always tell parents, you know, when I see children with certain symptoms or behaviors, for me, that helps me understand better potentially what we're up against, mm-hmm. right? Now we know what we're dealing with. Yeah, right. patterns. What we're looking for are patterns. There's mm-hmm. not, especially with pediatric behavior and mental health, there is not an imaging study, mm-hmm. uh, blood test. I can't swab their throat and say, hey, you know, it's this. We're <laughs> you got actually, anxiety. <laughs> that's right. We're, we're actually looking at like the context. We have to sort of hear from parents, teachers, whoever's interacting with their child in different contexts, as well as the child themselves, to really be looking at patterns of behavior to understand what's going on. And so when we do that, we do have to partner with a team of people because this behavior presumably is happening not just at home, but in school. And these labels, so to speak, with air quotes, um, mm-hmm. helps the rest of the team understand what's happening. Yeah. And I get that we don't want to necessarily label, but helping get us to a common ground so that we can all understand the clinical picture and knowing that it's unique for every person. Not everybody with ADHD looks the same. Not everybody with autism looks the same, but yeah. at least gives a framework for everybody on the team to understand. Yeah. And my job as a pediatrician is to help educate the parent and child so that they, they can then be active participants. Right. And decide how they want to manage their health. Yep. Yep. And, and it's really hard to manage your health care if you don't know you have something you need to manage. Yes. Right. Yes. I, mean, I think it's really, one of my kids did a, did a video that's on the website and she was about 15 about, she had to do this. She was doing this presentation for a group called Kids Enabled. So to a group of parents and advocates, and she could not understand the concept that a parent would not tell their kid if they had dyslexia or ADHD. It was she just didn't get it because she was such her own advocate for herself mm. that the concept that parents would keep that from, from their kid to her was, that's just not fair. That's How are foreign. they going to manage yeah, it if yeah. you don't do that? You know. Yeah. And so I think about that youthful enthusiasm and her ability to be okay with it, to normalize it, to not be wrong with it, but to understand, she has to understand herself to manage herself. Yes. And that's a matter of fact way of being with it that I think is hard for a lot of parents. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're going to ask a child to take a medication or to set up systems so that way they don't forget their homework or backpack at school, right? I mean, they need to understand the why. Why? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just goes better. So, yeah. Well, and if we don't give them an explanation for what they're struggling with, what they're going to make up is a whole lot worse. Yes. And they're going to make up that they're lazy, crazy, or stupid. Mm-hmm. So if we say you have problems with attention and here's why, and here's what we can do to help you with it, that's a whole lot more positive way to be with it than a kid growing And I'm, I was one of those kids, right? Because mm-hmm. I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my forties mm-hmm. who thought everybody's telling me I'm smart, but I really am stupid. They just don't know. Yeah. Right? That's a harsh way to grow up. It is. It is. They make up stories about it. They're, they try, right. they're trying to figure it out. They know something's amiss. Yeah. Right. And so if we can help them understand it. Mm-hmm. So I told you this was going to go fast and it did. It did. I have to wrap it up, <laughs> but we did. Um, how can people find out more from you or get in touch with you? 
Yes, thank you for that. So my website is letstalkkidshealth.org. My platform is all about engaging families, educators, providers to just talk about these things. I'm on a mission to break down the stigma around pediatric behavioral health, parenting, and family issues. Like I want to just have people talking. That's how we're going to get work together, right? Okay. So let's talk kids health. Um, and you can dot go com. there. No, dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Let's yep. talk kids health. .org. Yes. And Excellent. you'll find out everything about my parenting book club, my weekly show, and then also my Teach Me ADHD course. So uh, I look forward fabulous. to connecting with everyone. Fabulous, fabulous. Okay. Before we wrap, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or something you hope parents will take away from today? Yeah. So I do want to kind of just, just say this one more time because- yeah. When a child receives a diagnosis of ADHD, parents automatically go to medication. And they're like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. I don't want my child. And, 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 I, and I understand that. However, when you talk with a physician about a diagnosis like ADHD, and I think that might sometimes prevent parents from talking about it to begin with. Yeah. Okay? There's so much misinformation out there. Yes. But when we say treatment, it doesn't necessarily only mean mean medicine. There's right. other things that the physician can do to help your child thrive. So behavioral therapy, parenting support, educational support, teaching kids self-care strategies mm-hmm. in addition to medication. And yes, medication may be indicated oftentimes more often than not, but we have to talk about it. And again, there are so much information out there that, I would hope that families will feel comfortable, first of all, voicing any concerns they have because no concern is too small and asking the questions so that way they can all feel comfortable charting a treatment plan moving forward. And well, it, and parents and children have to be in the center of that treatment plan. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to highlight what you're saying because you're, you know, you're stepping you're joining me on my soapbox, right? (laughs) That medication is one of the many tools in the toolbox to treat ADHD and related conditions of executive function. Mm -hmm. And it is by far not the only tool in the toolbox. And when you add some of the other tools like behavior training for parents, it actually enhances the effectiveness of the medication. Yeah. So really parents, what I want to add to what you're saying is parents, you are part of treatment. Yes. And understand that that's your role and that you can make a huge difference there when you step in and get the support you need. Um, so once again, it's let's talk kids health health.org. Mm-hmm. And you said there's a class that you teach. I know on ADHD, what's it? It's called, it's, it's called teach me ADHD and it's designed and recommended for kids with ADHD ages eight to 12. And it's a, it's on zoom. Uh, it's accessible and convenient to get from home, but you're taking it with up to 12 other families. And Love there's it. a whole detective theme. You get a supply it's box. So there's family missions that you complete. Um, but it's my way of trying to help families get that necessary information on board together while having fun and learning about ADHD. Teach me ADHD. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. I think it's a great precursor to, to sanity school. Those two would go yes. together. Yes. Um, and so we do have to wrap, but I want to ask if you have a fun motto or quote that you'd like to share with people before we leave. Yes. I say this one a lot. So there is no such thing as a good or a bad parent. As long mm. as you're motivated by wanting the best for your child and being able to self-reflect on that, 
Mm. And, and knowing when you need to ask for help. I mean, that's, that's the one thing, just taking that step and realizing that, you know, parenthood is a journey. There's going to be beautiful spots and hard spots, but you can get through it as long as you know when you need to ask for help and who you can ask for help because it does take a village. Absolutely. And it's probably the best lifelong skill you can teach your kids. Oh, yes. How to ask for help. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Narissa, so much. It's a pleasure, as I knew it would be. Thank you, Elaine. Um, And thanks, everybody, for tuning in and for listening, for making the difference that you make. Know that every day that you're doing little bits step by step to be, be conscious and be aware and be engaged as a parent, you are making a difference. Take care, everybody. See you on the next one. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.